Praise God. I, I'm delighted to be back, folks. I want to talk about building lasting relationships. Building lasting relationships. I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit, uh, 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 from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit that is in the middle of the, uh, of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of them both were opened. And they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together, and they made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you put here, there you go. <laughs> the man said, the woman you put here with me. She gave me some of the fruit from that tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. And on and on it goes. And we know that story so, so well. I want to talk about a specific thing for the next few weeks. Building relationships that last. Now on your notes there, I've given you some shocking statistics about divorce. Divorce in, in, in days gone by was nowhere near as prevalent as it is today. From the 1960s on, there began to be a great, great rise in those going for divorce. And just look at that graph there. From the 60s to the 70s to the 80s to the 90s, the time during which many of you will have got married. All through that period, there was a massive increase in divorce. And today, of course, it's not much better. Things are just the same. And I think if we think that we can live in a world and get married and, 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 and not be affected by these things, I think we're kidding ourselves. We're in the world. We're not off it, but we're in it. And what's going on out there does affect the church, and that's pretty obvious because divorce within the church has also gone up. So folks, we live in a changing world, and we live in a changed world. Right from the beginning, in the, in the Garden of Eden here, God made Adam and Eve, and from the beginning, marriage was of course intended to be between one man and one woman. And it was intended to be for the whole duration of their entire lives until one of them died. Okay, divorce was not heard of. But what happened as time went by is that within Jewish society, the husbands became very aggressive towards their wives. 
The husbands wanted to divorce their wives. And what God did, well, actually what Moses did, is Moses created a concession. And he permitted divorce within society. And I won't go into that today, but that does happen, you know. The leaders in churches can decide certain things, and God accepts that. Okay? For instance, God did not want Israel to have a king. But they wanted a king, so God said, okay, I'll give you a concession. So divorce was never something that originated with God. Divorce was something that the society wanted and that Moses granted because he saw that particularly the women were being very badly treated. Now, the divorce that Moses granted was on very specific and particular grounds. Okay? So if you jump forward a couple of thousand years, what had happened was the Jews began to abuse the grounds of divorce. And they began to divorce their wives for all manner of reasons. And in Matthew 19, verse 9, Jesus comes into society and he says, Hold on, everybody. This was never the original concession. God never intended that divorce would be for this reason and that. And Jesus there, he states what we refer to as the exemptive clause. He said, yes, divorce was permitted by Moses, but only on the one grounds. And he uses the word pornea, actually. And in your English version, that will be translated adultery, except for the grounds of adultery. Now, many of the traditions of churches don't agree with that. Some do. In fact, there's a big change in the world at the moment with regards to that specific verse. And you'll find, I think, that the world's getting better in their approach to this thing. Why do I say that? I say it because of this. We're beginning today a series on how to build relationships that last. And the fact is that the, the issue that Jesus addressed in his day about people not being able to do that, it's just the same today. We live in an era where, you know, divorce is happening all the time. And there seems to have been something lost in terms of, you know, the human race's ability to hold things together and actually be happy within a marriage, fruitful within a marriage. And I think marriage is very weak. In fact, I was just thinking this morning, I've preached 150 times in this church, but only 12 times on relationships. That was when we did What's Love Got to Do With It? So we need to probably balance up. That's not too bad, but we, could, we, we definitely need to look at this in great detail, particularly, as I say, because we live in the world. I've given three reasons why you should do it, whether you're single, whether you're divorced, whether you're married. It doesn't matter. I've given three reasons why we should look at this type of material. Number one, pretty obviously because of the divorce statistics. Number two, because people, many people don't get married anymore anyway. They just say, let's live together. They hear about the divorce stats. They get frightened and they say, well, I'll just live with this person or that. And that's not, you know, going to do anybody any good. And thirdly, because the whole issue of relationships, marriage, sex, the whole shooting gallery has been so over-romanticized, it's unbelievable. And if I was going into to any relationship, if I was going into my relationship now with Jeanette, with half of the Mills and Boone junk that so much of the human race has got, God help you. I mean, God help the world and, and certainly God help the church with the type of thinking and the type of approach that we see to relationships. 
So the reason we're going to do this, whether you, if you're single, my friend, you need to listen. If you're married, you need to listen and maybe dig up some foundations that you've built wrongly within your marriage. And that can be why so many are unhappy. And so it doesn't matter what your situation is. If you're divorced, fine. If you're widowed, fine. Have I missed anybody out? <laughs> Whoever you are, we need to know about marriage. And we're all Christians, so we're all ministers. So maybe your brother's divorced. Maybe your sister's single. And you can bring information that you get from this book and you can be the light in their lives and, 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 and help them. So what we'll do today, just to begin with, is we'll look at some things that it's pretty obvious that Adam didn't know about Eve. <laughs> some things that Adam should have maybe known about marriage and about Eve, and you can see some fundamental mistakes right there at the beginning. The first mistake that Adam made was, once you get married, folks, guys, listen, once you get married, as a man, you're going to have to be there, right? Have you ever wondered why it was Eve that sinned and not Adam? Because Adam wasn't there. He was away. Eve was on her own in the garden. He was an absentee husband. He had gone off pursuing, you know, dominion, gone pursuing his career. And that's what made the woman weak. And, and obviously she had stopped praying because she was not able to discern the voice. Prayer helps us discern the voice of God, right? That's where you hear from God. So obviously she had stopped praying. She was backslidden and could no longer tell the difference between the devil's voice and God's voice. And where's Adam? Pursuing his career whilst his wife consistently backslides. And it's just a very obvious, gaping example of the susceptibility of the woman in the absence of the man. And you see, you'll see this all the more, particularly if a marriage is shaky, if a husband maybe is not happy with his wife. Do you know what he'll do? The husband, many husbands will say, well, do you know what? I'm not happy in my marriage, but I'll tell you one thing I'm going to do, pursue my career. And at least I'll have that. I'll go for that. I'll make do with my life. I won't get divorced, but I'm not going to be here. I'll be in the room. I'm not going to leave you, but I'll actually pursue my career instead. And the focus changes. And so, I mean, this situation here, you may think it's so distant from us. It is not distant from me or you or anybody else. Adam was trying to live like a single married man. <laughs> Okay? No such thing. But that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to make himself... He's a married man now. But he wants to be that single man that he had previously been. And he can't quite seem to do that. And this is, again, the situation you find again and again in countless marriages. You see, guys, when you got married, there was a bit of divine mathematics that took place. You know? One in one, Elson. What's one in one? One in one. Oh, do you need time to think? Okay, let's move on. One in one. Wrong. Wrong. What's one in one? No, one in one is... One in one is one. One plus one equals one. Divine mathematics. The two shall become one. 
And so something happens when you get married. Something that's out of our thinking, out of our psyche. God brings that man who's completely one, and he brings that woman who's completely one, and he puts them together, and the two don't become two. But there's many a guy particularly who wishes they were two, right? And that's what Adam's trying to do. He's trying to be a one when he isn't anymore. You actually should lose, and I'll deal with it in weeks to come, because you lose more than half of yourself. But to begin with, the guy has the responsibility to lose half of himself and to incorporate that woman's life into his. And she has the same responsibility. We each lose half of ourselves and, 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 and morph and mingle together. And in that, you know, you should become a better person and certainly one that someone can live with. But there's so many things you could say about that. Eve wanted Adam's presence, P-R-S-E-N-C-E. Not just that Adam was present, P-R-S-E-N-T. Same as church this morning. You may be here for a thousand reasons. And God doesn't want you to tick yourself as present, my friend. Amen? That's a backslidden heart that does that. God wants your heart present. And that's what we need to do. I, we were out for a meal last week, myself and Jeanette, and I was just sitting and we were just talking, you know, in casual conversation, eating our dinner, and this couple come in and sit on the next table, and it never ceases to amaze me because I've seen it many times. That man and wife came in, sat down. You know, they didn't speak one word. He was more interested in the menu than he was in his wife, right? And they sit and they look and they study that, and then they order their food and they're sitting, and it's complete silence. And we're chatting away, and I'm just conscious. I'm thinking, my, oh, my. And time goes by. I think the only thing I heard him say was, mm. And yeah, that was about the starter. I think he liked the starter. I think that's what the grunt was. But isn't that terrible? Imagine sitting with someone you love, inverted commas, for like an hour and a half or something, and not any dialogue, nothing romantic evening. Heaven help us. You're not in her life. You're not in that woman's life. You're in your own little world there. You may as well go and get a bag of chips. <laughs> Amen? You know, this is the Christian, this is the original text of what happened when God made man and when God made woman. And other faiths have similar dialogues that they have written in, you know, over the years. And I was reading one of the Hindu versions of the, the beginning of creation, as they put it. And I forget all the big long names involved, but there was God who had a name, and God made this man and this woman. And he, he gave the woman to the man, just like our scriptures say. But in the Hindu text, the man takes his wife and off he goes. And three days go by. And the man brings the wife back and he says, God, I can't live with this woman. She's terrible. She's awful. Here, take her back. And the Hindu God says, okay, I'll take your wife back. And he takes the wife back. And the man says, poof, and off he goes. Three days go by. And the man wanders back to God and he says, Hey God, you know that woman? Any chance I could have her back? It's a little bit dull without her, you know? And God says, Yeah, okay, no problem. So he gives her back. And in the Hindu, this is not the Bible, right? And in the, in the Hindu text, he takes the wife and off he goes. And guess what happens? Three days later, he comes back and says, God, it's awful. But listen, do you know what the Hindu God did? He says, Stop, man. Because do you know what your problem is? 
You can't live with her, and you can't live without her. So therefore, what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to learn to live with her. And that's really what I want to get at through these next few weeks. Is there, do you believe in life after love? Right? Do you believe in life after marriage? Because there is one. And it is a crying, heartbreaking tragedy to see couples unhappy. And Adam is a, is, is a cracking example here, really, I think, of every man. Men need space. Okay? Not spacemen, but men need space. And they need lots of it. It's the way the man has been made. And if you want to wind your man up, just start invading his space. You'll drive him so far from you. Men need space. I've got no problem with that whatsoever. I don't think the Bible would have a problem with that either. Jesus spent a lot of time alone, communing with his father. And you need to let your husband do that. That's a natural thing. However, the husband should not get so much space that his wife becomes vulnerable. Amen. So by all means, take space. But when we got married, you know, in the first couple of years, Jeanette once said to me, if I ask for any more space, she's going to launch me into space. That wasn't very nice. Praise the Lord. Men need space, right? They really do. And if I, I mean, girls, listen, give your guy room. Give him room. You'll have a happier marriage because of it. But when you're there, you're going to have to be there. When you're home, you're going to have to really be home. You're going to have to be present. I heard an acronym the other day for being present. And if you're taking notes this morning, it's the word there. And the T stands for talk. Now, men are not good at this. We'll probably devote a whole week to that one point. Because men are not good at talking to women, right? They're not good at sharing their emotions. So number one, as a guy, to have a good marriage, a good relationship, you're going to have to learn to start talking talking to your wife. The H stands for hearing. So when you're reading the paper and she's saying something, it's not going in one ear and out the other, but you're actually listening, right? You're really taking in what your wife is saying and vice versa. The E stands for exclusivity, and this is an important one. Your husband needs time alone with his wife. A wife needs time alone with her husband. You need to be alone. I love being alone with Jeanette, right? Because that's intimate and that's good and I enjoy that. But if you don't do that, if the kids are always present, you're not going to have a healthy relationship. You can't build anything like that. Number R is rest. So many men come home and they've had such a, a hard time at work. They're so tired. The last thing they want to do is spend time with their wife or the kids. And they just say, look, leave me alone. I need to rest. Well, you need to have your rest, pal. Fine. But you need to take time also. You know, you need to structure your life so that you're not so exhausted that you can't talk to or give time to your wife. And the E stands for just simply enjoying your partner. Enjoying the person that God has given you. And that's, I think that's probably one of the hardest things to watch in people's lives when they've stopped enjoying each other. So the first thing that Adam... The mistake Adam made with regards to his wife is that he's trying to be an absentee husband. And you, you know, you, 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 you can be in the house, but you're not really there. And that's not going to work in any relationship. The second thing he pretty obviously did 
was he had withdrawn his affection from Eve. He says very roughly, you know, and coarsely to God, this woman you gave me. He had obviously, you know, in some way become cold towards her. But guys, listen to me. You only get out of a relationship what you put into it. And men and women are very different. I, I, I don't believe I've even scratched the surface of the differences between men and women. So much to see, so much to learn, and we only benefit from learning about it. But say this is Jeanette. This is Jeanette's mirror. You can see that because it's covered in pink roses. Praise the Lord. Not mine then. So Jeanette's a mirror, if you like. And the man is, is like the light in that relationship. But you know what the problem is? She can only reflect what I give her. Women see themselves reflectively. You understand? So she is the reflection of the love I give. If I don't give love, boom. The woman's got nothing. She doesn't reflect back onto me. Do you understand? A wo womanhood sees itself, herself, reflectively. If you like, one author put it like this. Husband, your eyes are her mirror. In other words, she looks at you to see herself. But do you know when enjoyment... You see, I, many couples here, guys, I never need to ask you if you're happy. I never need to ask a husband, Is your, how, how's your marriage going? You don't need to ask. Just take a look at the wife. Just take a look at the wife. And you will see very clearly the anger, the frustration, the loneliness... You will see it there, nice and clear, crystal clear. Forget the husband, never so obvious. But it's always obvious in the wife. And in terms of the relationship, it's the man's responsibility. Huh, a man will come to me, I'm getting nothing out of my marriage. Well, what are you putting into it then? Because she is built reflectively. She can only give back to you. If you're not enjoying your wife, it's because you're not putting into your wife, Right? You, it's, you only get back what you invest. And once that stops, once the, the love bit, because they've been maybe impractical about what love means, they didn't realize that they were going to have life to live after love. <laughs> Do you believe in life after love? They fall in love, you see, and they think that's it. And they forget that after falling in love, folks, you've got a life to live. And you're going to have to live together. And you're going to have to lose half of yourself, etc., etc. And that involves many, many, many adjustments, deep adjustments, huge adjustments. Someone said to me the other day, you make it sound as if you've got the perfect marriage. <laughs> Do I? <laughs> I didn't think that. We wouldn't have a marriage. I would have walked out on Jeanette in the first two years, guys. I thought I made that clear. Perfect marriage? You must be joking. I never would. Our, our marriage would never have survived without her. I would have broken it, smashed it to smithereens. I was so immature, so ill-equipped. Nobody ever told me that. I was so ill-equipped. And indeed, you know, so, in some ways overly romanticized as well. Thinking just loving Jeanette was enough. I, never a day have I not loved Jeanette. Never a day, never a moment. And my love for her is incredible, huge, and vice versa. But that doesn't keep a marriage together. It won't. 
And that's a fatal flaw. I didn't realize that I was going to have a life to live after love. I didn't see that coming. And when that hit me, man, my, we had a real troublesome two years. And if God wasn't there and Jeanette wasn't so mature, I would have, have ruined everything. But praise God, joy comes in the morning. And we had our day, we had our dawn, we had our troubles. And, you know, praise God. You know, you know what I can say to you now? I'm a good husband. Wow. <laughs> Amen? Did you, did you say yes? Then? Okay, good. <laughs> I, I never, ever, ever, ever would have believed I was a dreadful, terrible, wicked, awful, awful husband. Terrible. But praise God, things can change. And I say that to you guys, because if things aren't going well, it's not the end of the world. Because things can change. And if you're a very poor husband, amen, join the club, been there, done that. And I tell you one thing, life's an awful lot better once you accept the principles of God and you actually do things God's way and say, do you know what, Lord? Forgive me, forgive me, Jeanette, for trying to be a single man when I'm married. And I tell you this, if we were not married now, I would marry Jeanette tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. Half nine? Half nine. <laughs> Praise the Lord. No problem. I would, I, I would gladly, gladly, gladly do that. And who would have believed, because as I've shared with you before, for the first two years of my marriage, I regretted getting married. Not Jeanette. Not Jeanette. I never didn't love Jeanette. I always loved Jeanette. I just couldn't cope with having this institution upon me called marriage. These are two different things. There's life, not just love. And I became a believer, if you like, in life after love. Not just a life where I have to make do. Not just a life where I have to put up with my wife or put up with my marriage. I mean the God thing, the God bit, so that your marriage is good and you are happily married. God can do that. But you've got to come down this biblical road. And you're going to have to lose some stuff in the process. The sooner the better. It took me two years to process just the beginnings of that. And if you've done that, praise the Lord. Good stuff. If you haven't done it, I advise you to do it. The first thing Adam did is he was absent. He was there but not there. And the second thing is he started to withdraw his affection and you can see that because of the way he so coarsely spoke about his wife. Not one jot of protecting her from God. <laughs> no, yeah, she did it. No problem. So he's lost his affection for her. And no doubt he's not saying, I love you. You know, men and those three little words, they kind of don't dwell together too easy. Men don't like saying, I love you. Right? Three little words that are incredibly difficult. And one, you know, Jeanette's put me under pressure to say that so many times. <laughs> and one time, you know, she had a, do you love me? Tell me. I want to know. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? So I remember I said, look, I tell you what, I'm going to say three things. And I want you to listen really carefully. Number one, absolutely. I love you more than anyone on earth. Number two, I will always love you. And number three, if you don't mind, would you write this down so I don't have to say it again? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Men don't like saying I love you. It kind of, they have to drag it up from within them. And we'll deal with that communication and men and emotions and men. In fact, that's the last point. Number one, Adam was there but not there. 
Number two, he definitely began to withdraw his affection, and that's selfish and small-minded of him. And thirdly, did you notice what it said in Genesis? Adam said, Lord, I was afraid, so I what? So I hid. And you know, mankind, men particularly, have been hiding ever since. Adam had emotions to face. He had a wife to face. He had a wife to care for. But rather than face his emotions, Adam hid. And men are still hiding, guys. Hiding from our wives. Hiding from true intimacy with our wives. And that just starves our marriages and makes us unhappy. So we need to get back to basics. And indeed, you know, you know yourself. Just take a look at the guys. Guys get on very well with guys very often, amen. But it's, it's, it's with your wife that men struggle, not just with fear. Adam said, I was afraid, so I hid. But it's not just fear. Fear is an emotion. It's not just fear. It's love. It's care. Men hide also from the expression of all those other emotions as well. For example, maybe a man wants to say to his wife, I love you. But instead of doing that, what will he do? Buy her a bunch of flowers. You see? Afraid, go to Asda. Get a bunch of flowers. Give it to your wife, right? Instead, she doesn't want your flowers. She doesn't want your presents either. She wants your presents. She's a woman. She's made like that. And she's made reflectively. She, she doesn't want those flowers, though that's fine. She just wants you to, to communicate and to say, do you know what? I do love you. I still love you. And you know, all, all, all couples have arguments. You have your hard times. And you need to do some repair work, maybe, today. <laughs> you need to do some repair work and say, look, can I sit, especially guys, start taking the lead in your home. Sit down with your wife and ask for forgiveness. I remember one guy come to me. His marriage was over. I mean, it was well, well and truly over. I'd heard about the trouble they were having. And I happened to be in the church that Sunday. And he came to me and said, that's it. In fact, that was the day. He said, I'm going home. We've, we've sorted everything out. I'm packing up and I'm moving out. Christians, great Christians. Just didn't work out for us. I grabbed him, actually, and I took him behind the screen. I didn't beat him up. You know. I grabbed him and I took him behind the screen. And you know what I said to him? I am not interested in whose fault it is. And I don't want to hear anything about right or wrong. Do you know what you're going to do? You are going to go home. You're going to gather your wife and your children. Because they were like old enough for that. You're going to go home, grab your wife and your children, bring them into the living room. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to get down on your knees, my friend. And as the leader, as the father, and as the husband of that home, you're going to say, I am so sorry that I have brought our home to this. And I want to ask you, children, please forgive me as your father. Wife, please forgive me as your husband. And shall we start again? And I'm delighted to say I got a phone call saying, guess what? Everybody started crying. The kids started crying. The wife started crying. It, it might be okay. Of course it will be okay. Of course it will be okay. If you would only do your job, you've distanced yourself from her. You've gone cold to her. There's no reflection. You don't enjoy her anymore. You've stopped putting your affection in her and then you complain that there's nothing coming back 
simple, you know, bog-standard mistakes. But rather, men stop showing their emotions. They stop sharing their affections. Rather than say, I love you, they will buy a bunch of flowers. Rather than tell the children, you know something, I really love you. Do you know what the men will do? Buy their kids a toy. Take them out or something. And express their love in other ways. But not in speech. Why? Because men hide, just like Adam had. They don't even say sorry, do they? <laughs> men don't say sorry too easy. You may be an exception, good for you. Praise God. But rather than say sorry, even in that emotion, and, 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 and in a form of confession, what will a guy do? The dishes. Yeah. He'll do something. He will do an act. It's like code language between husband and wife. He will go, do good deeds, works, <laughs> within the home, within the marriage. And that's his way Rather than say, look, I'm sorry for what I did, he will make it up in other ways, still hiding. And whilst that's admirable, guys, that's good that we do repent, recompense, whatever you call it, but it's still not good enough. It's good, but it's not good enough because the woman does desire you to come out and to talk with her openly on all these areas of emotions. And lastly, just to finish today, where does it all start? As you leave this place today, with your wife, with your husband, or alone, doesn't matter. As you leave, where does this all begin? I'll tell you where it begins. It begins in the, the, the only place it ever can, and that's with God. But I, I pity couples in the world. I really do. I pity couples out there, because it must be an awful lonely life not having God in your marriage. If we didn't have God in our marriage, where would we be? Huh? Where would we be? I do not know, guys. It begins with God. And I don't care how much you may love that person or this person. You need God. You know what the Apostle Paul says? He puts it like this. He says, we love because he first loved us. And the starting place of love in a marriage is when I receive the love of God. I love because he first loved me, right? So it starts very simply with your relationship with God being an overflow into husband and wife. I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's bow our heads. And I want to give you a moment just to think. We'll be on this subject for many weeks to come. I want to give you a moment just to think about what we've said today. Maybe your marriage is in turmoil. I want to give you just a chance to think about that. Maybe your marriage is good. And thank God. Lord, I pray you would open our hearts, not just our ears, open our hearts to the ministry of the love of God to every person here, married, single, divorced, widowed. It doesn't matter every one of us would receive the love of God as a single person begin to, to fill up with the love of God. We are able to love because he first loved us. God, for the husbands, I pray you would take away those childish behaviors and childish ways and help us be good husbands, good fathers, good leaders of our homes. And God, for the wives, even though we may be left alone, we will not backslide or grow cold. We will stay in intimate and close relationship with God. 
just make your peace with God. Thank you for listening to today's program. I trust you have been blessed and edified by what you've heard. I want to ask you to do something, and that is to become a partner with us here at Preparing the Way. By doing so, you can help us to take these essential messages out to many other nations, many other people around the world. You can become a partner by visiting our website, preparingtheway.tv, and there you will find many ways that you can join us. Folks, it is a pleasure and an honor to partner with you in bringing in the end times harvest. God bless you, and once again, thank you for listening.